Hello Gems, welcome to another episode of Tiaras in Tech. I'm your host, Shelly Benhoff, and today I'm talking to Jessie August, and she is a software engineer and also the co-host of the Glowing in Tech podcast. We talked about her interesting experience in psychology, her passion for representation for women in tech, and of course, our shared love of Docker. <laughs> Without further ado, on to the episode. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Let's just jump right in and have you tell us your tech story. Yes. So I originally had no idea that I was going to end up in tech. I studied psychology at university and was fascinated by human behavior and the things that make us tick and kind of the research that went into discovering what was going on in the human mind. Um, I had the initial aspirations of going into mental health. However, upon graduation, kind of realized that it's a really difficult field to get into and you need to study a lot more to be able to become a qualified psychiatrist. So I kind of decided that I'd put that to the side for a moment and try and figure out what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, I was kind of working bar jobs and working as a part-time as a teacher as well. And then came across the place that I'm at now, CybeSafe, um, which kind of had this blend of behavioral science and psychology mixed with being a cybersecurity awareness app and kind of focusing on the human aspect of cybersecurity. Um, it was for a sales role, so not something I'd done before, but I think I was interested enough in the tech that I decided I'd go for it. Um, I got the role and quickly found out I was not very good at sales at all, but completely loved the company and was given the opportunity to move into another department. So I became a customer success executive and worked alongside the product and engineering teams to kind of figure out exactly what customers wanted and gather requirements for building things. And it was the the kind of working together with the technical teams that was my favorite part. And I had no idea what a software engineer was before working there. Um, it all seemed like, you know, complete magic to me. And then working with the engineers, it, uh, it was kind of like realizing slowly the penny was dropping that it was something that was possible, um, even though there wasn't a clear route for me yet. So um, it was actually the engineering team at CybeSafe that did a little introduction to Python course for some of us at work who were curious. And it was just a couple of evenings um, once a week for a few weeks and yeah, completely fell in love with it. So did all the research, all the Googling, looked around for all the ways that I could get into that role without necessarily coming from a computer science background. And um, yeah, it was after that that I found Coding Black Females and through Coding Black Females found a load of people recommending a um, free bootcamp for women, the Sky Get Into Tech course. And yeah, it was from there, I kind of never looked back and I was fortunate enough to be able to, apologies to the cat, after all oh, the self-study. Please. <laughs> please keep the cat on the screen. She, uh, Everyone she loves, loves the cats. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was after, after all of that self-study, I was able to stay at my company and transition internally again and became a software engineer at my company, which I've been at for, um, yeah, a few years now. So that's, that's that kind of, is in a amazing. nutshell journey. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. You are one of many people I've had 
on the show who studied, you know, something completely different from like uh, coding. Um, I've had people on who studied history and I've actually had a lot of people who um, studied psychology as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that it's interesting that the um, whole idea of how humans um, behave, right, is very, very important in security. And I, I know this question isn't on the list I sent you, but I'm just curious your experience with um, understanding um, humans a little bit more than the average person, how does that help in um, coding like stuff to keep everything secure, hacker proof? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. I definitely do think it helps and it plays a role because uh, as we know, like the majority of cybersecurity attacks, successful attacks are as a result of some form of human error at some point. It's usually a social engineering way. Somebody's managed to convince somebody else that they're somebody they're not. And so really, if you want to get to the root of solving a lot of the problems, it's kind of being aware of that and making sure that you're advocating for the user at all points in the journey. Um, I think especially with coding, something I'm really passionate about is secure coding principles and making sure that we're building the most secure platforms and, and software for people as possible, because it's our, we have a responsibility to, to make sure that the people who are trusting us with their data and their, their kind of like valuable personal information, we're doing the best by them. And so I think that having the psychology degree and understanding kind of some of the vulnerabilities that people might have is definitely something I can use to my advantage when I'm thinking about, okay, what's a really important security feature I need to consider when I'm building this new feature? Um, yeah. Absolutely. I will tell you um, in the olden days when, when I started in the 90s, um, security wasn't a thing yet on the internet. And the first websites that I worked on in, in the URL was the ID of whatever record it, it was pulling. And so we would constantly get hit with, you know, like <laughs> attacks because the information was right there. So the industry very quickly realized that we needed like a normalized URL that would point to a record, but not show the record name. <laughs> absolutely yeah. and and you might be shocked to hear that that's still quite a common problem that people really? have built yeah people are still doing that <laughs> where like you can change where you're pointing to by just changing it, the digits in the url so definitely still yeah. a problem and it, it's the same thing as like uh people falling for the kind of the phishing emails it's like it's something that right. sometimes can seem really really obvious but if you're in a rush you're not paying attention you haven't taken those few minutes to kind of consider that that might be a possibility it's really easy to fall into that trap again. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I can't believe that still happens. Oh, my heart. <laughs> oh, well. Um, yeah. So what um, technologies are you interested in? And I added a note that I noticed that you listed 
Docker. And anyone that has listened to this podcast knows I'm in love with Docker. <laughs> we don't have to talk about that specifically. I just wanted to throw it in there. But yeah. No, it's a great mention. I think I'm I'm interested in how much develop the developer experience has changed over the past few years. And Docker is a fantastic example of that because if you think of all the jobs it's taking away from what us as the software developers would have had to be doing ourselves, it's just amazing how far we've come. Um, and so another thing like Kubernetes and just just being able to have so much of it, um, so much of what you would have had to consider for scaling and being able to build large data intensive applications just automated and like kind of yeah in another service that you don't even need to configure and be watching all the time I think yeah I love that kind of thing um what, what are Absolutely. your what, what is it about docker for you that you enjoy <laughs> for me just the automation from you know I've I've been a programmer for all, over 20 years um and I come from a time where we didn't even have source control yet <laughs> so we were like overwriting our stuff and having to manually pull in another person's channel. Oh my God, it oh was terrible <laughs> to see the progression of all of this to the point where you don't even have to set up a local development environment anymore and waste that time trying to follow someone else's instructions of how it worked on their machine to get it to work on yours. Like I had an experience once for a company where that process was not documented. The person who um, had that experience had left. And so I had to reverse engineer all of that. And it took me two weeks and they almost fired me because they thought it was taking too long. So, oh my goodness. That's imagine how that would have gone with Docker. Pull the image, build the container. I keep hitting my, my microphone today. <laughs> Just pull the image and build the container. Bada boom. Yeah. Five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then there are things on top of that, right? Like, I don't know if you've heard of Git pod, but you can literally hmm. kind of have the you could have launch somebody else's branch from your browser and it will spin up everything like all of that yeah uh, it just it's insane like how much now is taken away in terms of the process that the processes that were difficult the pain points things that slow us down um and really aren't necessarily like I don't think anybody necessarily grows that much from doing those little tedious tasks or like learns that much from the 50th time doing it so I really love that as a kind of industry we're really good at, at trying to find those pain points and working on them and automating them to the point where they're no longer pain points anymore and we can just get on with the really tricky stuff that the actual building the, the features exactly yeah and um in terms of like scaling you know kubernetes i i wish my last project had been containerized and running on kubernetes because we started to get like a million hits every day when we were built for like 5 million a month. So we had to very quickly like scale up a physical server, you know, but if Kubernetes were a thing, you would just increase the scale number and then hit run or whatever, execute, and it would just magically create the new server for your load balancer and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. It's magic. It is magic. <laughs> and just sometimes you can't even quantify the differences those things make because it's it's because it touches so heavily on like the developer experience. You're doing things that increase psychological safety, make it a nicer place to work. I mean, you can take risks elsewhere because you're not so worried about these like critical infrastructure things happening and going wrong. Um, yeah, so I love that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so you are also a trainer, I think. Um, I also have training experience, some good, some bad. But I, I was personally interested in, you know, how do you prepare to conduct a whole freaking training course and advice for aspiring trainers or, or me, someone who has trained before, but I'm always um, improving? Definitely. Really good question. And I, I think that a lot of the time people's objections to wanting to be a trainer is that they feel they don't know enough, they're not ready, they're not prepared. And I think my response is always that if you commit to doing it, you will do the things in order to prepare for it and be ready for it. And I think just having an interest in that technology puts you like head and shoulders above the people that may have done a lot more of the studying, but don't necessarily have that passion that you do. And I think it's really obvious when you are studying and being instructed by someone else when the instructor is passionate about something. So I think mm -hmm. if you have that passion and you have the desire to kind of share that with other people, you're already like, I know you're going to be a great instructor. And then also, I think you can never be 100% prepared to teach a course. Like, I can't tell you how many times on a course I've had somebody ask a question that I just can't answer. And that's completely fine too. Like, there's, there's a kind of great thing about admitting that you don't know the answer to something and mm. I think it's even better when you can say I don't know but let's figure it out together and having that kind of relationship with a student where you are showing them how to figure out the answer is also a really valuable lesson so um, yeah I would think we have a desperate need in the industry for more people to share things and make some of the more challenging technical topics a little bit more accessible so I would recommend that anybody and everybody give it a go um, all you need is an interest in that thing and from there you'll you'll get all the knowledge you need absolutely and I agree 100% that you don't have to be like the expert in something to teach it I have plenty of courses that I have produced where I was interested in the topic ahead of time but I didn't really know like Docker, actually, I started teaching that and I didn't know anything before it started. I just, I understood that I have the ability to learn pretty quickly um, and just have that confidence in myself that I can, I can do this, even though I'm not the expert, I will learn. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. And and it's just one of the things, like the, the two most recent things that I've kind of been deep into and, and have created workshops for, the first of which was um, Git and kind of using GitHub. And I think that came out of a frustration for how difficult it was for me to learn. Like I was struggling to figure it out. And I don't know if that was the same yes. with you with Docker. Absolutely. It's like, I can't find any resources that will simplify it for me. So how many other people are struggling? And then I'm seeing on Twitter and in, in classes that I'm in that, other people are also finding it really hard. So it's like, okay, there's clearly a need for some content or some kind of like in introductory instruct yeah, instructional videos. Like let let's do that. Let's try and figure it out. Um 
so yeah I'd love to hear about how you came up with your your docker star <laughs> thank you um yeah it's just like I I was interested it was a hot topic I was also struggling I feel like the best trainers the best courses and content out there are by people who are learning something and who are struggling and who write or produce content detailing their struggles and how they fixed them because other people are probably also you know struggling with the exact same thing if if you're struggling others are so i always champion people to just start a blog or whatever you want to do like it'll it'll help people for sure yeah, definitely yeah and then it's usually from those kind of things that people will contact you and and try and ask you more questions or you'll get feedback on what was clear and what wasn't and then you'll just incrementally improve on your abilities to disseminate and, and share information yeah I have to tell you when I was trying to learn docker and um I am in a niche um technology it's a site core and um we had no course on how to how to containerize the application or anything like i i am the only course that <laughs> teaches that um i couldn't get it to work um i was having all of these weird errors i was you know just researching them i would fix one error another would happen girl when i got that to work like i cheered like someone would do it sports <laughs> you know yes, i'm standing here i'm standing here i'll i'll do it and i was like please work please work and when it did i got down on my knees and started crying oh. <laughs> it was so hard i'm really sorry for the audio just then but i had moved away a no, little no, bit no. but yeah it was one of the hardest yet most rewarding experiences of my life when that app ran. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. And that's it. Like that, that sense of satisfaction, like mm -hmm. it's, it's incredible to feel in that moment, but then you're also like, I want other people to be able to feel like this, right? Totally. Like <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I just like automated a whole bunch of scripts for them and stuff. So no one would have to struggle like I did with that. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, it was terrible. Um, yeah, so let's kind of um, switch the topic a little bit and talk about DEI. This is something that I am also passionate about, that I also teach. Um, and, you know, what um, kind of inclusion uh, efforts are you most passionate about? I think something that I really love about what you do and that your podcast is is that is exactly what I think is one of the most impactful ways that you can promote inclusion, which is just having representation and role models available and showing people like I can do it, which means you can do it. And like I think that is genuinely like one of the most powerful ways you can inspire and create change because you're saying to the world and the people like you and the people who come from a similar background that like it's possible to do those things. And I think that's why it's like really important for platforms like this to exist and something that I'm I'm incredibly passionate about as well and, and want to do for as much as possible. Um, 
Yeah. How about you? Absolutely. Yeah. I obviously, you know, I am so passionate about um, providing women a place to celebrate each other, celebrate our successes, because so often, I don't, I don't know your experience, but pretty often if I achieve an award or whatever, if I post it online, there are always those people who are like, you have a man to, you know, thank for that, don't you? Like, you didn't do this by yourself. And, and they try to take that you know, confidence away. And um, I'm a part of so many different communities where women never do that. You know, when we achieve something, we're all just like, go girl, you know, like, absolutely. You're amazing. All of that. That's the kind of support that we need, I think, as women in in, in this industry and in the world. Yeah. yeah. I've um had it where I've kind of been to so many women in tech events and also similar to you grateful to be part of so many different communities that I, you know, my my cup is refilled, I feel energized, I feel ready to take on the world and then I go to like a, a more open um tech event and yeah, like you said, I kind of realize I'm the only one in the room that looks like me. I feel like I'm being second guessed with the questions I get and just like slowly that's kind of chipped away and I realized like damn these women in tech events and these like women focused groups are so important to be able to cultivate that resilience that means I can continue to do the things in not so women friendly spaces and um yeah I think sometimes it's important for me to remember like exactly how lucky we are to have those things because it really helps in the in the face of what we are doing which is like being in an industry that doesn't necessarily um, consider or um, kind of champion us as as it should do. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of uh, groups for women, coding black females. I took a look at this and I was like, I need to have this woman on the show, <laughs> you know, because I love um, all of these groups. There are so many. How did it start? How can people uh, help or be just involved yeah so coding black females was started by an incredible lady called charlene hunter and she started it i believe she's inspired after watching the film hidden figures and kind of going home after the film and realizing i want to create something like this where there is a space for these women women like me to be celebrated and and helped and support each other and it started just as a simple meetup group a monthly kind of evening meet up with software engineers and over the past few years it's exploded into kind of like an international hub and we now deliver courses boot camps um do regular like field trips and mentorship programs um yeah it's an incredible incredible place an incredible group of people and in terms of getting involved if you are a black woman or non-binary person you're welcome to sign up and become a member um, you get access to all the resources and all the courses, as well as teaching a few of the courses. I'm also uh, very lucky to be able to attend a lot of them. And I owe my ability to move into software as a result of being so um, so well mentored and kind of inspired by the women I've met through that organization. And then in, in terms of supporting 
but always looking for people to support on courses and mentoring. Um, yeah, just head to codingblackfemales.com and yeah, get involved. I love that. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a short break for a uh, segment that I like to call Precious Gems. This is where I share a comment or a question from uh, someone on social media. So today I've got a um, comment from The Code Mason on Instagram. Uh, they responded to one of the best quotes I've ever had on the show. Hital, she said, until you fail, you will not know what success feels like. This is probably one of the most popular posts I've ever put out on any um, platform. And uh, yeah, they said, especially when you read the wisdom of things, failing is actually a part of the process to succeed. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. So thank you, The Code Mason, for your um, comment. All right, back to this. Um, yeah, so I saw that recently um, you went to a great event that I had never heard of. It was the Black Tech Fest. Um, how was that? What was your experience? I think that's great. Yeah, oh my God, it was amazing. It was um, an, an event run by an organization called Color in Tech, who are UK-based um, community for black people in the technology sector so that's not just software engineering it's um, yeah all aspects of tech and it was full of workshops and talks and actually our group at CyberSafe we just we just kind of launched um, a black people at CyberSafe employee resource group and we did our first ever like group trip to go there which was really nice um, yeah it was it was a great experience I think one of the things I took away from there was just how much people were willing to share with each other just in terms of like information, um, advice. It was a place where I don't think I'd had so many conversations with so many different people. Everybody was just really open and friendly and um, it was really refreshing. I don't know if you've ever, if it's similar in London, where you are, but in London, people can be quite standoffish and a little bit like, not standoffish that's a bit too dramatic but maybe just like it's, it's a little bit harder to meet new people because people mm -hmm. are so used to being around so many people um and it was it was the opposite of that it was a very open and inclusive space and that's yeah, I really awesome enjoyed it. yeah I'm in Florida so it's the exact opposite here people are way too friendly and too like overbearing at asking you weird questions that a stranger really should not be asking. I really miss <laughs> London. I traveled there um, six times. I've been there so many times that some American tourist asked me on the street where the nearest ATM was to where and I knew and I was like, it's right there. That's sweet. Yeah. What is it that you love I, about London? Oh my goodness. Herod's. Mm-hmm. That's like the number one thing, but I, I like um, castles and and stuff like that because we don't have that here. We don't have that in America. Yeah, like all of our um, stuff is pretty new, <laughs> relatively mm -hmm. new. Um, so just the the history of every street that I would walk down, I would, you know, like 
research stuff that had happened around there. Um, Tower of London, I I went there twice, I think, and I highly recommend that for anybody that goes to London. It's like a must do yeah. to to see the armory and the crown jewels, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> that, clearly that was my brand always. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the crown jewels. Yeah. Speaking of that, this tiara is a very cheap replica of um, the uh, queen's tiara from, ah, I forget what event she wore this at, but yeah, this is oh, <laughs> modeled after cool. one of hers. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> RIP, but yeah. Um, yeah, so let's talk about your podcast too, Glowing in Tech. Um, I think that that is a great um, name, first of all. I love that glowing because we should all um, have that inner light um, and confidence. But yeah, like, how did you start it? Um, <laughs> what is it about? Yeah, uh, so we started it, I think the idea came about just over a year ago now, myself and Amber, who I host it with, were kind of talking about all of the fantastic role models we know from our involvement with the Coding Black Females community, and having spoken to a lot of people um, who are from a similar background, like black women or black people or women, we were kind of realizing that if you want to get good at talking technical concepts and being comfortable understanding these technical terms and looking up to technical role models, there are only really a few from a certain demographic when you when you look online and, and you're trying to kind of increase that that um yeah, that exposure to all these technical terms. And so when we were looking online for content, we were struggling to find anything that wasn't from that um particular dominant demographic. And so rather than moan about it and, and kind of get upset about it we were thinking like why don't we just give it a go and see if we can do it and so yeah we created coding black females and the the idea behind the season that we've just wrapped up filming is um kind of celebrating and platforming these incredible women that we have the 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 um opportunity to know and speak to so um they are all people that we've been incredibly inspired by who have done excellent things in their tech journey. And we really wanted to make sure that we were amplifying their voices and giving them a place to celebrate that and be celebrated and kind of providing those role models to people who might not have the the luck to be London-based or um, in tech yet to know them. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a whole list of people that I can send you oh, who yes, would please. love to be on your show. I've I've had... A, a lot of really um, inspirational ladies of color on the mm -hmm. show. So, um, yeah. But like, how do you find the time to do all these things? <laughs> I know people ask me that a lot. And I'm like, I feel like I lay in bed and watch TV a great deal. And people don't realize that. What is the experience for you? Definitely. I think, um, so I'm neurodivergent. I am, um, yes. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> um, <laughs> severe combined ADHD and also autism. So I think that that has a lot to play in kind of what I have the kind of capacity to do. I do make sure that I rest a lot and I do have those binge Netflix days and, um, video games and kind of 
all the things that I enjoy doing but I think that I just get so interested and passionate about technical things and technical people that that is also very fun and relaxing for me like I get so much joy from from doing those things and also I think just it I don't know about you but but just making sure that you're scheduling in things so that you're doing a few at a time and like kind of doing things it's it probably looks like we have it more spread out than we do but we are like efficient with time and making sure that we're yeah squeezing in as much as we can when we have the energy and capacity to do so how about you what's your what's your secret I am bipolar so (laughs) there are times when I'm riding high I'm like you know, I can concentrate real, like super well, and I can just code and I can, I can make content. And on the flip side of that, there are times where I'm the exact opposite. I can't do anything. I can't get out of bed. I can't concentrate. But understanding that process um, has really helped me to plan out content. Now, for me, I know all, all of my content is planned out like two or three months ahead. Like, you know, because inherently I know, especially for this podcast, there are some times where I cancel, sometimes where the other person cancels. And so scheduling is hard. I take um, breaks too, actually. Um, this podcast episode is the last one for um, this year, actually. After this, I will take off um, for about two months just to make sure that I can record enough episodes to put them out weekly. Um, And then also to take vacation, you know, like you have to rest. Yeah, absolutely. Rest is so important. And I really love that um, you were saying about kind of moving with those waves that you have. It's kind of respecting yourself enough to know like okay I'm gonna have like a quieter phase now and then you know when you have that energy okay now I have the capacity to do more than before and like rather than working against your body and getting frustrated with yourself that like oh, I'm not doing enough now or I'm doing too much it's like it's just kind of working with that right and and there will be times where you're able to do more and times where you're able to do less and I think like you said that kind of scheduling and doing things for the future and helping your future self out a little bit can make it look like you're being more consistent to the outside world than you actually are because there are definitely times where there's like weeks go by and I'm not doing very much at all outside of my day job and and that's completely fine like I yeah yeah we need to it is yeah it is completely fine and I'll actually tell you this um this past weekend last Friday I was I was riding high I was manic and on a whim I decided to migrate my website to Cloudflare to, you know, like make it load uh, normally (laughs) because it wasn't before. So anybody that goes to my website, hofstech.com, it'll load like in a snap because I I was manic and I decided to migrate to Cloudflare one Mm -hmm. night. Mm Mm-hmm. That's my life. That's what I do. I I have these like ideas and then I just do them without any planning or thinking. So I don't suggest that anybody just migrates to Cloudflare on a whim. Because <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, how was that? <laughs> my site, my site was 
down for um, a day. And I don't know why I didn't think about that ahead of time. I had to change the name servers. Duh, of course it's going to be down while the DNS is propagating. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's not mm -hmm. instant. Mm -hmm. I'm not a, like, corporation who has access to tools and stuff like that. So I had to wait. It works now, so yay. Yay, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so let's talk more about representation. How how do we get more black women interested in tech? And we'll preface this by saying, in my experience, I've worked with probably I could count them on two hands. In 20 years, I've worked with maybe like 10 10 women and that's it I want more how do we get more <laughs> yeah so I think it all starts with with paying it back like I, that's one of the reasons I'm so motivated to continue to contribute to all the communities that I can is because I wouldn't be where I was if I hadn't been helped to do that and like I know the impact you can have just by answering a few questions um, sharing your advice and things like that. So I, I definitely think like if you are a woman in tech, do all you can to make sure that you're paying it forward and helping other people out. It, it can be as simple as answering those DMs on LinkedIn or kind of putting yourself out there a little bit and going to, and speaking at, at tech events. And then if you're an ally in tech, I think it goes with with kind of going that step forward, step further and looking for volunteering opportunities where you can contribute to to making that difference and that can look like donating an hour a week of your time as a mentor or um, finding some way to financially or kind of provide resource in terms of a venue um, with your workplace for an organization that does that or you know being an instructor and doing something that you're where you're actively participating in those people coming up into the tech space and then there's another part of it, which is we know that women who make it into tech, who've done all that work, are far more likely to burn out really early in their careers or just leave because of how hostile it can be. So what are you doing to support the women that are here? How are you helping them to thrive? Are you giving them all of the opportunities that they need in order to progress? And kind of thinking about it's not necessarily your responsibility to fix the entire tech industry. It's going to take a very long time, unfortunately. Well, hopefully not too long. But what are your, what, what is it you're doing to participate in making that a better place? Um, I think those are the things that I'd think about. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, a lot of people, you know, have this idea that, uh, mentoring is really time consuming. And I always tell people that people generally only come to you when they need something, you know, that's, that's just kind of the truth of, of stuff. So it, it isn't like every single day I, um, I mentor tons of people. I, I can't even count anymore, but um, it's, it's just like a response to a question or, you know, um, communities chatting through, um, you know, problems and stuff like that. It's, it's also optional, you know, you don't have to respond to the person immediately. 
it can take a, you know, a little time, but if you at least try and just um, help people, then it'll make the world a better place. <laughs> I keep trying to Definitely. get people. Yeah. <laughs> and as someone that's been in the industry for a little while now, like what you have beaten the odds, first of all, in terms of getting to where you are, but staying as well, like what, what's something that's helped you? What have you seen that's worked well and how are you seeing it change um, as, as the years go by? Yeah. First of all, I always love having other podcast hosts on here because <laughs> you'll like ask me questions too. But um, yeah, for me, um, how did I get by? I don't know. Support. Yeah. I've, I, I have a lot of uh, mentors, um, at least six, probably more um, overall, but I, I've had a lot of support overall. But I'm also um, mentally unstable. So when people tell me I can't do something, I'm like, hold my beer. I will not only show you that I can do this, I will blow your socks off. Like, seriously, I'm going to do so well at this thing that you're going to rue the day that you told me I couldn't. Yes, I can relate to that so much. <laughs> Not the best way to be, you know, because it causes me a lot of stress. Like I could do less, you know, but ah, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying. So that's all you can do. I mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like what it, advice um do you have for specifically black women to, who are interested in tech i think um be be curious and it's okay to change your mind even once you've made the decision to commit to being in tech i think people can often see as like, oh, I've dedicated myself to learning cloud. So if I don't go into cloud computing, I failed. And I don't think that's the case at all. Like it can take a few different transitions to figure out the one that's for you. I thought that I'd be in love with the front end and that was where I was going to dedicate all my time. And now I'm very happily in the back end and, I, and I'm, I'm enjoying that for now, but who knows, maybe I'll switch back in a couple of years time. But yeah, I just think just that kind of, Progression isn't always linear. We're moving away from that as a concept and realizing that we do have the ability to be a bit more squiggly in what we want to do. And then also, yeah, similar to you, benefit so much from support. If you do feel like you're getting overwhelmed or you're unsure if this is the place for you, that's a sign that you probably need someone to, to help back you up and, and give you that like confidence boost or piece of advice or just something like don't feel bad for reaching out um, try and get as involved as possible in communities and use them as a resource to to help you feel empowered to do what you need to do to to get into into tech absolutely i love that you touched on like you can switch if if you're not happy you don't have to stay in one career i think a lot of people um have this concept that whatever you studied when you were in your freaking twenties or whatever is what you have to do for the rest of your life. Okay. First of all, 
our lifespans have really increased. We're living to be like a hundred now, right? Like life is long. Do what you want. You, you have to be happy. You deserve to be happy every single day. And if your career is not something that you want to do anymore, you have every right to change that. Don't be afraid. Like that, that's life. We just all have a um, a journey, I'd say. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think sometimes those changes might seem nonsensical at the time you're making them. But often when you look back, like it will all make sense. Like for my journey, at least I can feel like, oh, this has helped me with this thing. And that led me to find this thing. And like, even though at the time they weren't very connected, I'm still using things from my psychology degree and I'm still using things from my customer success days. Like it, it all contributes to the, holistic human that I am now and and it's the same for for all of the changes you might need to make in your career too. Absolutely. And I will say like technologies are are often um related in very strange ways. Like I have spent my entire entire career in uh C sharp pretty much. Now I'm writing a video game in Udemy in Unity. Unity. I keep trying to say Udemy. That's that's different. Yeah. That's so but cool. like this experience, oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. I can't wait for my game to like come out. I have a artist I've hired and and he just sent me like little animations for the main player character. I'm that's so excited. So oh. But yeah, personal projects are great. Absolutely. Um, start there, mm -hmm. I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Looking at the clock. I, I'm always like astounded that I've been talking to people for almost an hour because it feels like we've been talking for five minutes. Yeah. But I am cognizant of your time. So I um, will end this episode. But before I let you go, can you tell people where to um, connect with you online definitely so please get in contact and um let's chat i'm on twitter at underscore j-e-s-s-i-e -S -S -E underscore b-e-l-l-e -L -L -E, or at glowing in tech on all social media platforms for the podcast and um yeah let's let's chat that's awesome jesse thank you so much thanks so much for having me shelly it's been an absolute pleasure to to speak to you if you want to support us, please like, subscribe, and share this episode with your fellow gems. Let me know in the comments what other topics you would like me to cover and follow TRs in Tech on social media and use the hashtag MakeYourselfShine. Thanks for watching or listening and have a great day.